0: Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Food insecurity is an ongoing concern for hundreds of thousands of residents, our neighbors. And if you've ever caught yourself waiting for your lunch break at work saying, I'm starving, well imagine what that would be like if there were no lunch waiting at lunch break. Or if your parents ever sent you to bed without dinner, you've experienced hunger, For the people whose incomes don't cover dinner every day or whose benefits don't cover enough food for their families, it can be incredibly difficult. And Feeding South Florida, the main food bank in the Quad County area, is always there with fresh food and even opportunities to learn how to work in the food industry. And to tell us all about it, I'm so happy to welcome back to the program the president and CEO of Feeding South Florida, Paco Velez. Hello.
1: Hi, Ella. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are things at Feeding South Florida?
1: Uh, continue to be busy. Lots of families struggling, just as you mentioned in your intro. Dollars aren't stretching as far as they used to, neither of those benefits, unfortunately.
0: Is it correct that there are more first-timers needing assistance than we've had in quite a while?
1: The first time we experienced an increase in first-timers was right at the start of the pandemic. When they closed everything down, folks had no job to go to and they were starting to get a little scared and didn't know how to navigate the system. That was the time we had the most amount of individuals without any kind of experience in the food insecurity realm. Now we're seeing a lot more families coming back just because, again, the dollar is just not stretching as far as it used to with fuel prices, with rent prices, with food prices, and just constant supply chain issues. Their their benefits are running out or their dollar is just not buying the amount of food that it once used to buy.
0: How is that impacting you? I mean, you and I have talked about how you've managed to stretch $1 into nine meals. With all of the inflation and everything you just mentioned, is that impacting your ability to feed as many people with that same dollar?
1: Well, we have dropped. That number has gone down to $1 before meals. Our fuel prices have also gone up. Our rent has gone up 40% here at the organization. But we still continue to work with with, uh, our donors. Unfortunate piece is sometimes those donors don't have the amount of food that they used to just because either people are buying them up or just the food hasn't been there. We've just made it through this bird flu issue that created an issue with eggs where people saw the egg prices rise more than twofold. And that's starting to come back down as our chicken population or hen population starts to rebuild. But just nonstop issues. We're doing uh, everything that we can to work with our growers, our distribution centers, our retail outlets to bring in all that food and make sure families have food food on the table, no matter what day it is.
0: Are you able to plan ahead for these kind of circumstances? Do you even know when something like that's going to happen?
1: Unfortunately, we don't know when some of these circumstances will happen with the pandemic. First, we didn't know most businesses were going to be shut down. And then we didn't know how long it was going to last. First, it was two weeks and a month, and it turned out to be quite a while before folks started getting back to work. This bird flu issue that killed more than 52 million, 60 million birds created an issue with chicken as well as eggs. That's something that we could not have predicted. So there's a lot that goes on that we have to be nimble enough to navigate the food industry to make sure that we're going to different places and bringing in the food that our families are looking for.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you have so many connections locally and throughout the state, I know that you're very agile and able to pick up and make adjustments as you need. But again, with $1 now feeding four meals, which is still When you think about it, 25 cents for a real meal, real food, fresh food is still remarkable. But the OutRun Hunger 5K coming up on April 8th will be even more important than ever in raising those dollars. So let's talk about the what annual 5K is this? It's been going on for so long.
1: Right, just before I got here. So I've been here for almost 11 years. So I think it's the 12th or 13th annual. So we've been pretty successful and we're excited and proud that our community supports us and continues to support us, not just during some of these catastrophic events, but also on a daily basis to ensure that we're putting food on the table for families.
0: Okay, so April 8th at Charnell Park, right at the beach in Hollywood. What's the plan for this year?
1: So this year, we're taking steps against hunger, making sure that everyone that comes out knows exactly their impact in the community. We'll be running on the Broadwalk. Checking is at 6.30 a.m. The race starts at 7.30 a.m. Folks can come out and enjoy the sunrise. It's a beautiful space right on the beach, as you said. Registration is $25. If you want a shirt and a registration, that's $40. And then this year, we have a Hunger Hero category for $250 and be part of that Hunger Hero category. We ask people to come out and be part of the solution to, to help and hunger for our families.
0: Now, think about that $250 donation. You would be creating 1,000 meals. That is a pretty extraordinary thing to know that you've accomplished. Ask your friends to donate and help fundraise to become a Hunger Hero. Registration, I know you have the link at the website, feedingsouthflorida.org. Teams are welcome, individuals, any recommendations on how to go about fundraising for your team or your individual participation?
1: Oh, talk to friends, talk to family, co-workers. Um, A lot of folks are looking for ways to get involved. A lot of folks are looking for ways to give back and ensure uh, families have what they need in order to thrive here in South Florida. Many of our neighbors are going without food and and it's, you know, have a full-time jobs. But as we mentioned before, making ends meet has been difficult. So folks want to get involved and please help share the word with all your circle of friends and have them either come out or just participate through helping you fundraise.
0: And for those people who are struggling just to pay the bills, they have to think one step further to those who are actually having to make choices between which bills to pay and whether you're going to pay the electric bill or the rent or the car insurance, or are you going to feed your children? And that's literally what it comes down to. And unfortunately, the cycle sometimes spirals into homelessness Because someone has given up paying something that makes it untenable to remain in their home and still feed their children.
1: 100% correct, Ellen. And these are impossible choices to make. Roof over your head, utilities, water, fuel in the car to get to work, or food on the table. And many times that food on the table is the first to go ironically, food is the one thing of all of those things that you need in order to survive, but that's the first thing to go. So it's just unfortunate.
0: And we know how that then impacts children in school. They can't learn. They can't think clearly if they're thinking about how hungry they are. One of the things that I love on your website, your vision is for a hunger-free South Florida in which families have transitioned from dependency to self-sufficiency. Is this possible? It is. is. Okay, because it seems like we make progress and you're feeding more people for the dollar and then something happens and then there are more people who need services.
1: It is very possible. We believe it's possible. And there's a couple of things. One, we want to make sure families have fair and equitable access to food, no matter where they live, no matter how much money they make. So fair and equitable access to food, that's our number one priority. The other part about reaching self-sufficiency, we have workforce training programs where we help families and individuals who are unemployed or underemployed, help them be more marketable in the workforce, get them the skills that they need in order to achieve a higher wage job. Anything over a living wage, more than $15 an hour, even after $20 an hour. So our warehouse training program helps folks not just with the skills they need, but we help place them in some of those jobs with some of our corporate partners like Ryder, like Publix, like Winn-Dixie, and they do pay anywhere from 18 to $20 an hour just for an entry-level job in the warehouse. So those are the things that we're helping families with to ensure that they're making ends meet.
0: That's great. That's the way to take someone off needing services. I did want to get into, because we don't always talk about the specifics of how someone does get into your system and become a recipient of food when they need it. I know you have two locations where you have food distributions, but you also have a giant list of on-site places where you do food distributions. So how can someone, if they're coming up across this for the first time, reach out to Feeding South Florida and say, I don't have enough this week to make ends meet. I can't feed my family. What do I do?
1: So the first thing, either go to our website, feedingsouthflorida.org, or give us a call 954-518-1818. And we're happy to connect you either here with one of our choice pantries in either one of our facilities in Pembroke Park or Boynton Beach, or connect you with one of our partner agencies. We have an amazing network of over 300 different nonprofit organizations with whom we partner to help families with food and other benefits. Most of our partner agencies are choice pantries, which means families can walk in. They choose what they want to take based on cultural preference, based on religious restrictions, and based on medical restrictions. We want to make sure that families are taking what they want to eat and what they can eat and not taking anything that's going to make them sick or anything that goes against any of their religious activities. So we have an amazing network. We help those families with a pantry. You also help families here in South Florida navigate the federal benefit application process. So if families want to apply for federal benefits like SNAP or food stamps, Medicaid, long-term care, temporary cash assistance, or if they need a referral to WIC, we're here to help them. Most of our partner agencies and Feeding South Florida have a client management system. So we're able to see the household or the family unit a little bit better a little differently we're able to see if it's a single parent head of household whether it's a male or female if they have certain needs or if the grandparent head of household and how we can address some of the needs from the older adults and the children to ensure that they have a solid foundation of support so that they can build their life on that foundation
0: you do so much more than just hand out food it's really amazing Obviously, you have special people with special skills who can help people apply for all of those different benefits and work through the federal system, which can be a challenge in finding the information, filling out everything that they want to know, and having all the paperwork ready. And I say that not to deter people from doing it, but to ensure that they know that there's help in putting it all together.
1: Our team is very passionate, Ellen, and along with the skills necessary, they do have a heart to serve and services at the core of who we are and what we do are number one core value. And that service is what drives us to continue to help families, continue to put food on the table, continue to help them navigate through these federal benefits and continue to create workforce training programs and place families in jobs that they most desperately need.
0: Yeah. I know it's only March. We're still a couple of months away from the end of the school year. But, you know, you've talked about how over the summer, when kids are not in school, they lose that free meal that they normally get, sometimes two meals. Sometimes they get breakfast and lunch free at school. And you have created an art competition, (laughs) which is kicking off your Summer Hunger Ends Here campaign. Can you tell us both about the campaign and about the competition?
1: Absolutely. So summer hunger ends here. It's a way to raise awareness about the issue of food insecurity or hunger, especially in the summer months. Families or South Florida and folks that may not realize that there's a triple threat happening during the summer months. First and foremost, kids are home from school, which means they don't get those two meals that you talked about, breakfast and lunch. Second, families have to figure out child care for those individuals or those children while the families are at work. And three, utilities and fuel prices tend to go up during the summer months. So it's just added expenses for our families. So what we've done is we've created this art competition so folks can understand some of the challenges that our families face, and we've asked schools all across our four-county area to participate, and the children, in their own way, interpret whatever the assignment is, and that's to craft a piece of art that reflects their thoughts on food insecurity or hunger, especially when it comes to children. And the winner of this project, and it goes from beginning of April to the end of May, and then we have an awards night. We have a little gallery night opening for the kids, for the students, for the parents, and for the administrators at the school. Ask folks to come in and then we announce the winners. The winner of this art competition, their piece of art goes on our 36-foot tractor trailer that goes up and down South Florida. So this is just a way to get folks involved as well as to raise awareness about the issue of hunger, especially during those summer months.
0: And the way to get the information, there's a toolkit on the website?
1: We have a toolkit for those who want to participate on our website. We can also email that out to folks and we encourage schools to get involved. It's elementary, middle, high school, any of anyone up to the age of 18 can participate.
0: I can't wait to see some of the drawings or the artwork or whatever they come up with, how they interpret the concept of hunger and summer hunger ending, because there's a world of creativity out there.
1: You're right. The interpretations are all over the board and they're beautiful to see.
0: So definitely go to feedingsouthflorida.org. You can see right there under the events, Feed Your Creativity Art Competition between April and May. You'll find the link to register for the OutRun Hunger 5K April 8th at Charno Park in Hollywood. If you have a spare dollar, donate it. Even a dollar. You're talking about feeding four people. If you've got $10, even better. Make a donation online. Donate to someone's fundraising campaign or participate yourself. What about volunteers? Do you need volunteers for the OutRun Hunger 5K or in the warehouse?
1: We always are looking for volunteers. Our volunteer shifts are Tuesday through Saturday. We have two shifts a day. Uh, We can accommodate up to 100 people per shift. All are welcome. Go to our website and fill out the registration form. We do provide community service hours, so we can do that all electronically. So go to our website, feedingsouthflorida.org, and find ways to volunteer here at the warehouse or at some of our events.
0: And it will be one of the most gratifying things you do. Paco Velez, President CEO of Feeding South Florida. Congratulations on a dozen years of improving the lives of our community. We appreciate your efforts.
1: Thank you, Ellen. Thank you so much.
0: For our next segment of Community Focus, I am happy to feature another of our Women's History Month honorees. Truly, a lifesaver and a trailblazer. Are in so many ways. Surprise. Cheryl Woods, the president, CEO of YMCA South Florida. Thank you for finding time to join us today.
2: Oh, Ellen, it's my pleasure. I love the introduction of Lifesaver.
0: You really, what you do with the YMCA and particularly the week of March 20th with teaching swimming skills here in South Florida, we know how critical that is. And that really carries out to everything you do with the YMCA where you're teaching fitness and so many different topics that, especially for kids, are important for them having a healthy, long life. Before we get into the Swim for Jenny swim classes, I learned that you are the person who pushed forward the idea of combining the Miami and Broward YMCA's into one organization, YMCA South Florida. What was your thought process on that?
2: Well, that was a few years ago. And, you know, I have to do a huge shout out to our board of directors because, you know, Miami was an independent Y Broward County was an independent Why? and typically boards, especially in large communities like Miami Broward, you know, they're, they're pretty territorial and they want to keep their own leadership and territory. And so it was very special. You know, it was really the Miami group that reached out to Broward and said, hey, what do you think about this? We're looking for a new CEO. We hear all kinds of good things going on up in Broward can we talk? And the rest was history. And probably the only brilliant thing I did was as soon as we knew we were going to help and support the Miami group, we created an all-day workshop on, I can tell you, it was a June 20th, Saturday. don't remember the year, but it was June 20th. And we just broke into a variety of committees from governance, to finance, to marketing, communication, to all of that with the two boards. And within about six hours, everyone said, Makes sense. How fast can we do it? Love and, and it that. was really the rest was history. So huge shout out to all of our board members who had a bigger vision.
0: That is very kind of you to acknowledge everyone. But I also know that you really have dedicated almost your entire career to the YMCA in some form or another in different states, in different divisions and in different capacities. So you've been called to serve. That's very apparent. <laughs>
2: It is the coolest job in the world. Uh, For anyone that's listening, your jobs aren't half as cool as what my job is every day. And I would tell you it's because you get to be very entrepreneurial in every decision you make has a positive impact, could have a positive impact on the people we serve. So, you know, it's my hobby. It's not even a job. It's my
0: hobby. How blessed you are. Congratulations on that. I know how many people wish they could be spending their entire work time doing what they love. (laughs) And I wish that for everyone. I, I feel a lot of empathy for people who hate what they do every day.
2: Well, we have lots of careers in the Y, so it's never too late or too soon to reach out to us for a job or a career. And the cool thing is, is we're a national, international organization. So once you get in, you kind of, there's a whole network for you to move across the country and move up in an organization where you make a difference. And, you know, that's what people who are now applying for jobs with us are saying, you know, I'm tired of making other companies money. I want to do good in a community? How do I find a role?
0: I wonder uh, how much of that is because of the pandemic. If people's mindset changed. Yeah. And realize that my time matters and people matter and it's really important to help others. (laughs) What a great thing it is for the why. Yeah. Yeah. If someone hears this and says, you know, light goes off, that could be for me. How would they go about the process of finding out what jobs there are and applying?
2: You can always go to our website. And on our website, there is a link where you've got careers and job openings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're a growing organization, so we're always looking for talent. And that talent also has a whole professional component to it from marketing, communications, finance, human resource, I mean, leadership at running our operations. So it's not just a part-time job that some may think. It really is a career. I mean, I I thought I was going to grow up and be a teacher at the university level. And 35 years later, I have the chance to do the work that I'm doing now in South Florida. So, you know, it's very rewarding, but I will say it's hard work. You've got to be committed to wanting to serve the community and we run it like a business. So no money, no mission, and we're pretty serious about it.
0: But I bet you go home at night every night feeling good (laughs) about what you've done and sleep well.
2: Oh, my, my, my love bank fills up oh. every day with a whole bunch of things that I see and I experience just walking through the buildings or being on a phone call like this where I get to tell
0: great stories, you know? All right. So if you want to take a withdrawal from the Love Bank and also make a deposit, go to YMCASouthFlorida.org. And as Cheryl said, you can go down and look for careers and job openings right there on the website. Now, what you're also going to see is on March 20th through the 24th, it's the annual Swim for Jenny Week of Free Swim Lessons. Can you tell us the story about Jenny?
2: sure can um you know i hate to be a, a downer on this but you know unfortunately south florida pretty much leads the nation in the number of kids who drown and a lot of that is because of where we live you know we're on a peninsula we've got a lot of water canals oceans we've got reservoirs we've got backyard swimming pools and so you know we've got our work cut out for us down here and so jenny was a 12 year old um homestead little girl that wanted to go to a birthday party with her friends and off she went and not really knowing how to swim, fell into the pool and drowned. And Mm. um, it was very, very sad. You know, the parents um, were obviously very shook by this, but turned that tragedy into a mission. And so a few years ago, when we heard about Jenny's story and a small nonprofit group down in Homestead. Fortunately, one of my board members said, hey, maybe there's some synergy between this small family foundation and the why. And again, the rest was history. We met with the family and we said, you know what, let's use this tragedy as a platform to educate. Because when people can identify with a face like Jenny's um, and and a family that is just on a crusade to continue to tell the story, it's just very rewarding. So the week of Spring break, 20th through the 24th at all of our locations where we have swimming pools. you have got to register, register early because we'll run out of space. Um, We get a lot of request, but it's literally, you show up on our pool deck, you'll sign up for swim lessons and instruction. Parents have to be there and available. And for the entire week, Monday through Thursday, we don't go Friday in case we need a rain day, but Monday through Thursday, we provide swim instruction, water safety instruction. We we hand out all kinds of information to parents about the importance of water safety. It's just an absolute wonderful program.
0: We have talked a lot on community focus from the parents' angle, how they need to be alert, have a designated adult always watching if they're at a party, even at their own home, putting fences around the pools. But actually learning how to swim can make all of that much easier. You know, if someone falls in the water, they can get out of the water or they can continue to swim and not worry about drowning.
2: Uh, Absolutely. Instruction is critical, you know, and when there's not as, you know, first of all, there can never be a lack of adult supervision. And we always say too, even the adults listening, you should never, ever, ever swim alone even as an adult and how experienced you might be. But, you know, for children, it's critical that parents own this. Just like going to the doctor for uh, checkups and everything else, your child needs to have swim safety instruction. They need to know how to get out of the water in case, you know, and a swimming pool is different than falling into a canal or reservoir or swimming in an ocean. So, you know, the learning curve never stops. And I think it's important that parents are very diligent in um, educating the kids about this, just like any other safety precaution.
0: What about parents who don't know how to swim? And I can imagine they might be embarrassed to acknowledge it, but we hear so many stories about parents who themselves pass away when they're trying to rescue a child and the child may be rescued and the parent doesn't survive. Um, yeah,
2: that's it's another sad tragedy. And and again, never too late to learn. Right. We also provide a lot of adult swim lessons and we have a lot of people that show up for that. It's like something on their bucket list they've dreaded to do over the course of time. They decide, you know, I need to learn so we can help you, too. But, you know, it, it's just It's sad that even in some cultures, it's not something that parents had access to, adults had access to, or knew how to swim. And so the epidemic continued of not learning. But, you know, I think the more we educate, the more we make it easy, the more we make it accessible. And sometimes bringing your kid to the swimming pool inspires the adult to learn because they're going to realize, you know what, I think I can do this. So a child can inspire an adult.
0: Absolutely. And I think once someone gets in a pool and discovers the joy of being in the water and how good it feels and how relaxing it can be, it's just a no brainer, especially here in South Florida when it's 90 degrees out and you want to <laughs> cool off. So that's right. That's um, right. Now, the swim for Jenny is that specifically for children?
2: Not necessarily. We have some adult classes going on at the same week because we feel that there was a need and an interest. And so we wanted to do that. Predominantly, it's children. It's a huge priority for us because summer's coming. So, you know, but... No, it's open
0: to all. Okay. So if you are an adult who needs swim classes, do not fear. There is no shame, no embarrassment. Take it upon yourself. Learn something new. It's great for you. And this way you can learn alongside your children and then you can swim together. And this is all on the homepage at ymcasouthflorida.org. Now, while I have you here, Cheryl Woods, President-CEO of the YMCA of South Florida, last time we spoke, you were just opening the new L.A. Lee Mizell Cultural Center of the YMCA with so much available there. How are things going?
2: Well, we opened a year ago coming up in May, so we'll have a big birthday bash coming up soon. Ellen, it's a home run. I mean, I you know, I, I think I said this will be a legacy project of mine. There's no question that it is just one of the most special operations we have ever done. And I'm so, so proud. You know, I always encourage people to go in, stand in the lobby, close your eyes and just hear the hustle and bustle of what's happening around the world. You know, I mean, it's it's just so so impressive to hear the little sneakers squeaking on the gym floor, the kids splashing in the pool, or the seniors having a conversation. I mean, it is just unbelievable. And then when you have Broward College on the top floor, I was taking the elevator the other day to go to a meeting at the Y, and I was blown away that I get in the elevator and say, hi, how are you? I said, well, where where are you headed to? Oh, I'm heading up to the fourth floor to Broward College to take a class. Wow. Now, Ellen, I mean, those are those magical moments in the why, right? Because the decisions we made to make this such a, a very state-of-the-art, one-of-a-kind YMCAs in the country, this is all available. This is the difference we're making.
0: You're kind of a microcosm of each community that you're in. You represent all of the community and you offer almost everything that a community could need including the newest, it's new as of a year ago also, the pantry at the village of yeah, New yep. food pantry. And we've been learning so much about people who are experiencing food insecurity, partially still from the pandemic and partially because of inflation and food prices and people who are still out of work post-pandemic. But you can fix that by applying at the YMCA. Um, right.
2: I mean, that's another one of those partnerships, collaborations that we have. You know, it's. Brilliant bringing resources to the community. You know, when we find out that there's a need in the community and we have all these wonderful partners and a brilliant staff team, right? We've got a staff team that says, hey, I think we can do this. Let's create a pantry. And then it benefits the community. And so if we didn't in South Florida have a collaborative partnership with others, we couldn't do the work that we do. So imagine on top of all the other things that traditional why and many of the listeners think that the Y does, now we're providing food distribution to communities that need those resources. Healthy food options that may not even be affordable to some residents.
0: I'm sure. Okay. Let's say someone hears this and they have an organization that could provide mm. uh, something to the Y to help you provide to the community. How did they go about suggesting a collaboration and making it happen?
2: Thank you. Um, first of all, call our YMCA, our main office, and want to talk to someone in our community health department. That is the team that goes out and does all this grassroots work and finds all these partners and collaborators and, you know, makes these kinds of programs happen. So we need, more food. If we had more food, we could probably do more distribution, but we don't want just any food. We want to be able to provide healthy food options for some of these communities. And we need that help, you know? And by the way, I'm going to jump back for a second. For those of anyone listening and you're part of a company or a corporation and you want to help with the Swim for Jenny or our water safety program, we also do a bathing suit drive. And we love to challenge corporations to put a box in their offices and have someone donate a brand new bathing suit for kids. Because when we do the Swim for Jenny program, we go out and we we do a pop-up tent and we have a retail space and all the kids that want to come out, they even get a free bathing suit.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I hadn't even thought of that. Someone who doesn't know how to swim probably doesn't have a bathing suit that makes so much sense. Um, Yeah, we
2: learned that a few years ago when we did this program, when we first started this program and we had a whole bunch of kids show up that didn't come prepared in towels and bathing suits. And we said, okay, I've got to solve that one now.
0: Okay. And you've done so. So kudos and congratulations. Let's get the word out. Corporations, ask your people. Put out a box, get those bathing suits together. I have no doubt that there are certainly women who have bought bathing suits, never worn them. They still have the tags on. <laughs> That's so, true. That's so true. bring it in. Okay. And then, you know, going back to the healthy food options, which is yep. such a wonderful evolution of distributing food to people who need it because it used to be okay let's just give them whatever cans we didn't eat and now it's really all about providing fresh healthy food where can people get information about that and the hours of the distribution
2: Again, back to our website, you'll always find everything on our website in our allopata, and you'll see our pantry listed separately so that people can find out which day of the week and how many hours of operation. It's a bit of a first-come, 1st first serve, but we've got such a routine now that you know people will come line up. They know which day it is. It's like going grocery shopping at the Y. Wow. Um, and the teams there that, that have supported us, and again, thanks to amazing partners, including Publix, it's just, you know, it's about teamwork, you know? It's about teamwork.
0: Those are, that's, I'm going to leave it on that word, because it's such a great word, not only for a company, but for a community. When we all work together, we can make great things happen. Let's follow in Cheryl's footsteps and do as she is doing. Cheryl Woods, the president, CEO of YMCA South Florida and also a Women's History Month honoree for her life-saving and trailblazing work in South Florida. <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your energy that you put into the work you do.
2: Well, thank you. And thank you for being a wonderful teammate too. You and the radio station and all the work that you guys do to help educate the community like this. A huge shout out to you all.
0: It's our privilege. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellenjaffeja J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day.